All right. So, hi everyone. It's now the past the full moon. We're two weeks until Rosh Hashanah. And uh, I want to thank you again for uh, all of you who were at the previous class last week when I had to kind of figure out how to get back on my feet. And I hope we can just keep doing that for each other. Work beautifully. Um, hold on, let me just send a message. There we go. All right. So I'm going to assume that some of us here might not know what gematria is, even though I know many of us are probably familiar with it. But that's going to be um, the sort of key to what I'm teaching to you today and what we'll be discussing. So gematria is Hebrew numerology which means that every Hebrew letter has a numeric value. In fact, and, and so um, Aleph is one, and the first 10 letters are the first 10 numbers. And then when you get to Kaf, it starts going up by tens, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. And then when you get to Kuf, which is 100, Resh is 200, Shin is, uh, uh, Resh is one, uh, Kuf is 100, Resh is Kuf, I'm, now I'm getting all mixed up. Um, 300 and tough is 400. Shin is 200. 300. Uh, Reish is 200. Okay. Um, ah, look, a chart. Um, wait. Um, is that the right one? It is, but it's too complicated. Okay. So, It'll mix, mix people up, but thank you. <laughs> um, and this is from the um, understanding in, uh, in the Jewish approach to uh, the alphabet, which we've talked about in some other classes, that everything about the alphabet is significant, including the numerical values. And so there's a kind of holy word play, a sacred game that we play of finding out words and phrases that have similar numerical values and making connections between them. Because or as if they have uh, underlying uh, connections. And it's a lot of fun and it's also um, rewarding and, and in many ways. So what I decided to do really the very first year I was here which was the year 5,748. So just so you understand, using uh, um, Arabic numerals in Hebrew is common practice now because Hebrew be joined, Hebrew got revived over 100 years ago and had to become a modern functional language. So numbers are represented in Hebrew by numerals. But prior to that, numbers were represented in Hebrew by numbers, by letters. And so if, for example, you wanted to indicate what year it was on the Jewish calendar, you would indicate it with letters. Taf, the first year I was here was Taf, Shin, Me, Mem, Chet, because Taf is 400, Shin is 300, that's 700, 
Mem is 40, and Chet is 8. It was the Hebrew year 748. It was actually the Hebrew year 5748, but the custom is not to go into the thousands column. So Tafshin Memchet back in 1988 was, um, or it was 80, the end of 87, was 87-88. Um, that was actually, they were just ending. Spells a Hebrew word. It's the numerals for 748, but Taf Shin Mem Chet spells Tismach, which means you will rejoice. And so my very first sermon I did, uh, I remember on the high holidays, was about that uh, the message of the year is you shall rejoice. And um, I've been looking at it every year since and seeing what the numerical value of the year has to teach us about it's and about what's coming and it's a it's my way of throwing the iching of just saying okay let's find out what this year's numerical value this year being 781 taf shin uh pay aleph Taf is 400, Shin is 300, Pei is 80, and Aleph is 1. This year is Taf, Shin, Pei, Aleph. Um, and 781. And look up all the other phrases and words, both in Hebrew, but especially in the Bible, that add up to that total. And so for many years now, Karen Levine, who's with us today, uh, she has an, a program um, on her uh, old laptop. It's not even compatible. Uh, she, has to, she, she brings out this big monster of a laptop and we type it, we go to the program and we type in 781 and we say, find words and phrases in the Tanakh that add up to this. And a lot of the phrases and words are not, um, they might be the end of one sentence and the beginning of a next, or they might be two words that don't actually mean anything when taken out of context. And so we cull, I cull all those finds and keep the ones that go to me, oh, that's this year. So it's this kind of intuitive, beautiful process I do that then gives me my direction for the year. And I do that every year. And I, then I share it with the congregation. On the high holidays, the gematrias that you're going to see are the ones that are going to be the foundation uh, for the aliyahs to the Torah. Um, and it's my own utterly idiosyncratic way of, um, of uh, searching for guidance every year in the Torah by using this number game. So that's what it is. So given that introduction, I'm going to share with you the pieces that rose to the top, the phrases in the Torah that rose to the top for me, and we will use them as our reflect, for reflecting. Um, it's always been just as good as any other approach I could think of. Uh, and so I'm happy to share it with you. So now Ellen's going to put up, or, wait, are there any questions about that? Anyone have any questions?
Just unmute yourself and ask if you do. What is this system called? I missed that phrase. The system is called gematria. Gematria. Gematria is a Greek loan word to Hebrew, just like geometry. Um, and uh, uh, that's where it comes from. It's a Greek loan word to Hebrew. And Ellen just wrote the spelling in the chat. Thank you so much. Does it actually relate to the word geometry, gematria? Not in terms of what geometry means to us today, but at the time, yes, it was about using numbers. Thank you. Yeah. Huh. Um, no, it would, it would be the Hebrew word that we would translate today, gematria, we would translate as numerology, I think. Yes. Great. Okay. So if you can see this page that's being shared, do you know how to make it any larger? Do you know, do you know if it's possible to... Uh... I know there's a way to do it. Let's see. Shua. What does that mean? Tashua. This, well, this is zoomed on the left-hand side. It says 100%. Oh, you see that 100%, Ellen, over up in your upper left? On the taskbar. Next to normal text. Go the other way. Keep going. No, no, down. <laughs> Part, it's part of the Google Doc taskbar, so it, it, it's with the formatting, and it's all the way to the left. There. 100%. There you go. Oh, make it a little bigger. Ah, oh, that's better. Thanks so much. Huh. Learn something every day. Tishua. Tishua. Now, if you look on the left-hand side, you'll see that I, it's, the word is Tishua. Tishua means help, deliverance, rescue, salvation. And it appears many times in the Tanakh. And it is a word that adds up to 781, just like those four Hebrew letters at the top there, Taf, Shin, Pe, Aleph, which is how we designate this Jewish year in, a, in Hebrew. And the two little hash marks between the pay and the olive are the way when you're doing Hebrew that you indicate that this is not a word, but a number or a um, acronym. It could be either of those. Um, and so that you have to look for those hash marks to identify it if you're learning Hebrew. So Teshu'ah, Taf is 400, Shin is 300, Ayin is 70, up to 770. Vav is six, and He is five. So that's how it works. This combination of letters adds up to the same combination of letters that the Hebrew, this coming new year does. And therefore, I assume there's an inherent connection between that word and this year. Um, so, Obviously, we don't have to look too far to know that we have to pray for salvation, deliverance, rescue, and help this year. So 
that's pretty straightforward. Um, but then I also look at the context. Where does this word appear? What's the larger passage or the bigger, um, uh, the bigger um, uh, frame that this word appears in? And so I read Psalm 146 and I thought, okay, I think this is a Psalm for this moment. So you can see the kind of associative poetic way that I, I do this. So Ellen, if you would scroll down to the third page. There we go. Here is the Psalm. This Psalm, by the way, appears in the Friday night um, service. It's one of the Kabbalah Shabbat Psalms. But you know, the way it is with liturgy is like I stop paying attention to the words sometimes. They're really marvelous. Let me, let's, let's study it together. Hallelujah. Praise yod my soul. I will praise yod as long as I live. I will sing to God all of my life. Okay, now let's look at the Hebrew. Hallelujah, halali nafshi et Adonai. And then this beautiful line that uh, gets worked over a lot. Ahalala Adonai b'chayai. Thanks, Ellen. I will praise Adonai b'chayai. So this is usually translated as long as I live. But it literally means I will praise Yudhei with my life. And then azamra lelohai ba'odi. Azamra means I will sing to my God bi'odi. Now, when you say le'olam ba'ed, that means forever, right? Bi'odi, in the time that I have. But bi'odi also means with all I've got, the od, extra, with everything I have. So the way this line is, is understood spiritually, uh, and I love this, and I know it's been set to music by various, various uh, songwriters, is I will sing to yod with my life. I will praise yod with my life. I will sing to my God with all I've got. Let's just stay there for a minute. Your life is your praise, right? This is more than I will praise God all my life. I will praise God with my life. My life. I, I just love that image, uh, that metaphor. It helps me. May my life be an act of praise. And may I sing to God with all I've got. So that's that verse. And again, anyone's free to... Uh, uh, to chime in if, if you want. Al tiftachu bin divim. Do not put your trust in human leaders, divim, dignitaries, princes. You know, um, uh, nadiv is someone who is a, a benefactor, someone who's supposed to be a benefactor, right? Bevenadam she'en lo. 
Um, oh, I have to open my chat bar again, excuse me, so I can see the nice things people are saying. Oh, good. Thank you, Joan. Um, uh, do not, this is a big line. Do not put your trust in human leaders. No human being can save you. Now, if you follow, there is Teshua. I think you can even highlight for people if you want, uh, Ellen. Choose a color, <laughs> a nice color. Uh, there is the word where it appears. And this is why my attention was drawn to this psalm. Deborah writes, there is a spiritual that says, the peace I feel, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, so the world can't take it away. Exactly. That's what it means to praise God with your life and with all you've got. But here's what the psalmist, King David, has to say about uh, earthly uh, human leaders. When they die, they return to the dust and all their plans die with them. Uh, that's it. We're all flesh and blood. There's something else to rely on for that deliverance, for that inner help, for the, what we need to keep us going. Of course we need people, but this is about relying on, on, on um, human leaders. Ashrei sha'el, sha'el Yaakov ba'azro, divru al Adonai Happy is the one who has the God of Jacob for help, whose hopeful thought is for the living one, our God the maker of heavens and earth, the seas and all they contain, the world's true guardian. Now, where is it going? This is the part that I had forgotten to pay attention to. This is, it's not just, oh, look to God for salvation. This is gonna be a description of the energy to which we should sing to, give our all to, align ourselves with, and rely on. Okay, so rather than immediately write this off as, oh yeah, God's gonna take care of it, big daddy's right there. Um, um, take a look at what the energies and attributes are that the psalmist is saying is calling for us, our allegiance. Um, the world who musters justice on behalf of the oppressed, who gives bread to the hungry, yod hey vav who sets the captive free. yod hey vav who opens the eyes of the blind. yod hey vav who helps the bent over to stand upright. yod hey vav who loves the just. yod hey vav who protects the stranger and in whom the orphan and the widow find their strength, but by whom the evildoer's route is set awry. yod hey vav who reigns forever, your God, O Zion, from generation to generation. Hallelujah. That's a hallelujah. So let's look at that in Hebrew because you'll recognize it if you've prayed uh, ever uh, much in a synagogue service. Um, 
we'll start with the Osem Mishpat La'ashukim. That's where the pointer is. Who provides justice for the oppressed. Noten lechem la're'evim. Bread to the hungry. And now, these are the morning blessings. Adonai matir asurim. Releases the prisoner. Adonai pokeach ivrim. Opens the eyes of the blind. Adonai zokef kefufim. Helping the bent over stand upright. Adonai ohev tzadikim, who loves righteousness. Adonai shomer et hagerim, protector of the uh, uh, stranger, the orphan, the widow, and the powerless, uh, encouraging them and giving them strength. But um, but setting awry the evildoers wrath. Yimloch Adonai Leolam Elohayach Tzion Ledor Vador Hallelujah. Yimloch Adonai Leolam Elohayach Tzion Ledor Vador Hallelujah. Um, and that's part of the Kedusha prayer, part of the, um, uh, one of the most central parts of the liturgy on, uh, in the prayer book. So I'm going to say something I've said before. Um, uh, oh, uh, Joan Goodman made a quote from John Lewis. Yes, well, God is us. We who do the work here without just, pardon, here without just doing. Um, so, uh, I'm not sure I got that, Joan. Maybe you want to try. Oh, your interpretation. Thank you, Joan. Okay, so... When phrases get into the liturgy, like Yimloch Adonai Le'olam, it would be assumed, in my opinion, that the folks who excerpt it when this was going on understood the context of the, of the, of the scripture that they were excerpting. So that if you heard, if you knew your Bible and you heard you know what came before it. It's like if I, I've said this many times, but if like I say, oh, the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind, I don't have to sing the whole song for you, right? So assume a literate public for whom the Bible and the Psalms are their um, songbook. It's what they know, it's what they've read, what they've studied. And so you take a line from the Psalm, the concluding line, kind of like the tag line, or what do you call it in music? The hook, right? Yeah. And you just say that, like who quoted um, uh, um, Michael Jackson before? Joan said, heal the world, or we are the world, right? You, you know the whole, if you were alive and paying attention to pop music at that time, you know the song behind it. We are the children, we are the ones who make a better way, so let's start living. We've got a choice we're making, we're saving our whole world, so make a better world, both you and me. I've got the whole thing in there. All I needed was Michael Jackson, Heal the World. So the same here. If this was our songbook, which has been my actually um, one of my goals in life since deciding to go to rabbinical school to make the Bible my songbook in addition to all the other songbooks I carry. Um, 
then I hear this line, right, the song track of our lives, right. When I hear this line, I hear the lines before it. Raises the upright, loves the righteous, protects the powerless, does justice for the oppressed, feeds the hungry, releases the prisoner. Oh, that's the power we look to for our help, deliverance, and salvation. So I hope you understand what I'm after here. It's like these things, these lines weren't taken out of context without an assumption that the context was understood when they were excerpted and put into our prayers. We're hearing about uh, yod who reigns forever and your God, O Zion, from generation to generation. Hallelujah. It's the God who is these attributes that lead into that phrase. So that's the first word for this year. So now don't think of yod as an external force. Think of yod as an inherent force in the universe the inherent force of morality, the inherent force of righteousness, the, 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 what informs our conscience and our desire to be the kind of people we would hope to be in the world. That is to whom we turn, that is to what we turn, that is what we rely on, where we look to for salvation. We don't put our that kind of reliance on human leadership. Uh, okay, so that was the first one that got me going. It's a good direction for the coming year, don't you think? Let's go back to the top, Ellen. I'm going to reread um, the spiritual that Deborah cited. The peace I feel, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, so the world can't take it away. It's not contingent on who our leader is. It's not, it's, it's challenging, but it's not contingent upon it. <sighs> It is discouraging, Ronnie, I agree. But um, this path is a path towards, uh, I would say, um, um, overriding our discouragement so that we can continue to act from a place of, um, a pla a place of resolve and power. We will be very discouraged and it could take us down if we are only relying on leaders elected leaders for the rescue that we need. So that was my first one for 781. Let's look at the next one. Oh, uh, Roni, I'm not saying don't, gurus, rabbis, I'm not saying don't have leaders. I'm saying don't give all your power away to them. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, what it means to be an autonomous adult 
we have to find it in our, we have to find our own moral center. We have to, of course we want leaders. That's the way humans organize. But if we make leaders into all powerful decision makers for us, we will not be rescued. But yes, we need leaders. That's the way society is organized. Okay, here's the next phrase that popped up that grabbed me that adds up to 781. Beni uvenechem uven kol nefesh chaya. Between me and you and every living being. Genesis 9, 12. Okay, this is the end of the Noah story. Oh, do we want to talk about this a little more? Paul says with the right leaders, things can fall into place. Otherwise, go home and cultivate your garden. I think I understand what you're saying, but I say constantly cultivate your garden. This is what a path of, um, this is what a spiritual path is. And then, um, uh, yes, but God willing, sometimes we have the right leaders who understand what it means to be of service. Okay, so this is from the Noah story, everybody. I'm actually going to open up another uh, document I have on my computer, which I haven't, I've been working on today. Um, just a moment. There we go. Right, I'll get to that in a moment. This is from the end of the Noah story, the story of the flood. The waters have dried up and God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living being with you. I bolded the phrase that adds up to 781. Between me and you and every living being with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the cloud and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living beings of every kind. And never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. So this verse is known in our tradition as the Rainbow Covenant. It's a covenant that precedes uh, and underlies all the later covenants that God makes with the Jewish people in the Bible. This is a covenant that God makes with all creation. So now Blaze has written in, between me and you and every living being, speaks to the actual connectedness of us all. Yes, can you see why I was drawn to this phrase? We are not, according to physics, actually not separate beings. Even though we look separate, the energy in what appears to be empty space connects us with each other and with God as well. I can't say it any better than that place, thank you. Um, 
So the rainbow covenant is the first covenant God makes with humanity. Yeah, thank you, Blaze. And it is a covenant, not just with the human beings, certainly not just with the Jewish people. The Jewish people don't exist yet in the Torah. It's a covenant God makes with God's creation. And the saying that, so let me read something I wrote to you a little earlier today, because uh, I think I, it'll come out very clearly on this subject. This is pretty concise. And then we'll continue. After the great flood, which God brought upon the world in order to cleanse it of humanity's depredations and violence, God reconsiders her expectations of human beings. Made as we are in the image of God, God expected us to grasp the sublime interconnectedness and unity of God's magnificent creation and to live in harmony with it. But no, as spirit mixed with flesh, we are more complicated and compromised than even our creator anticipated. One of the Torah's great attributes is its clear-eyed assessment of humanity. We are capable of greatness, but all too often indulge our most selfish impulses. And it will always be this way, as each of us struggles to realize our godly potential. This is the work of being human. So God accepts finally that this is so and promises never to flood the world again, even if we desecrate it. It will now and forever be up to us whether the world is preserved or destroyed. But in addition, God establishes an inspiring sight to remind us that we and the world are one, the rainbow, the rainbow, the full and beautiful spectrum of light and life, all refracting from the same unseen source, the breathtaking rainbow. Who cannot but pause and wonder when it appears? Shaken out of the torpor of our dreary self-concern, we momentarily lift our eyes in awe and delight and remember. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living being with you. You, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. <sighs> so I see this as a commitment, uh, this line between me and you and every living being to remember the covenant of the rainbow, which is our everlasting bond with all living things and with our mother, the earth. And so I see that as an obvious and beautiful kavanah intention to action that uh, I wanted to take um, for this year. Um, uh, and Blaze said, no wonder the rainbow is such a powerful symbol and holds so much energy. The rainbow connection, a Muppet song. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. <sighs> Thank you, Joan great sage Kermit. 
Jim Henson. Oh, Paul says, after the Hopi snake dance to bring rain, there is always a rainbow. Beautiful. Oh, and the rainbows out in the Southwest are so amazing. I've gotten to spend some time out there. There's so much sky that you get to see them more often. Ah, beautiful. I'm, I'm very enamored by the, by the um, symbolism of the rainbow myself, especially because it, the light is always there, but it's undifferentiated for us. And then, thanks to this mystery of moisture and refraction and prisms, it breaks up into its component colors, which our eyes can perceive. And it is the full visible spectrum. I know there are more there are more kinds of colors that birds and other animals see. But I love that diversity, the rainbow of diversity is the symbol that God puts in the sky to remember the connection between all of us. So I found that, um, I found that one to be very moving to me. And so when we get together on Rosh Hashanah, that'll be one of the aliyahs to the Torah for people who want to, this year, affirm their, connect, their commitment to the Rainbow Covenant. Um, and that's how I do it. And I'm giving you a preview because I'm immersed in that right now, planning, planning these, uh, planning these um, uh, kavanot, these invitations. <sighs> So here's the next one. Unless someone has anything else they want to share. Oh, um, yes, the rainbow is also the colors of the chakras from bottom to top in yoga. Absolutely, Samatha. There is a chilling echo of never again in the Holocaust. How, how so, Joan? You can speak it if you want. Okay. Um now you're muted. There we go. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about the call to action for us to be sure, let's put it in a forward and positive note, that, that we, the never again reminder here at the outset of our coming year is to not allow oppression and, and, um, and, and murder and, 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 and mayhem to overtake uh, weak people, that we really must stand as a wall between those forces and, and of ill and uh, people who are vulnerable. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, so the first two sections, one, the Psalm 146 gives us our, uh, our um, reminds us of our fundamental connection to the God that protects the oppressed. And this next one, that's 781, pulled me right into the section of the Rainbow Covenant and our connection to all that is. These are our goals at the new year, is to remember our connections, restore them, recommit to them. So now we'll look at the next one. Why don't you scroll down a little more, Ellen? Oh, right, Ellen had to go. She, got, she had a tree come down on her property and there's a, she, said, she texted, there's a tree guy there. How's it going, Ellen? 
had to go. You can probably hear the, the they're chopping up the tree. I had to go look at it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay, where do you want to be? Just scroll up to Raiti Panesha. Great. Okay, good. Here's the next phrase that popped up that adds up to 781. Raiti Panesha, which means seeing your face. Which that line in and of itself is a beautiful line for, for um, uh, it stands on its own, right? Just like the other one from Noah, chap, Noah Parsha does. They stand on their own between you and me and every living thing. And then when you put it in context, it becomes even richer. So this too will become richer. Uh, seeing your face, ra'iti fanecha equals 781. It comes from this part of the story. Where's my homage? Jacob said to Esau, No, please, if I have truly found favor in your sight, take the offering from my hand. For seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. Again, one of my top moments in the Torah. Um, I will share the context uh, for those for whom, who, who may not be familiar with it. Briefly, I'll share it briefly. Jacob, oh, Blaze says, such an emotional passage always brings tears. Yes, there, 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 there's no more moving emotional moment than this in the Torah. There are many others, but I don't think any outdo this for the idea of um, seeing each other's face and seeing the face of God. Jacob has been away for 20 years because he ran away after stealing his brother's blessing, Esau, and his birthright. And after 20 years, he's returning. And uh, he's terrified. He, um, uh, he spends the night. He hears that Esau is coming to meet him with 400 retainers, 400 men. And Jacob assumes this is it. Um, um, but I can't be on the run my whole life. So he sends his family across for safety. He spends the night alone at the river where he wrestles with an angel all night and doesn't succumb. And the angel gives him a new name, the name Yisrael. God wrestler. And it says when um, he sends a lot of gifts ahead to kind of propitiate, um, is that the word? Yeah, soften up <laughs> Esau, hoping that if Esau gets all these gifts, he won't uh, just immediately want to kill his brother. And uh, then it says, Jake, as the sun rose on Jacob, he limped forward towards his brother. He bowed seven times as he approached him. And then they have this conversation. Esau says, what's all this stuff here? Is this yours? And Jacob says, yes, and I want you to have it. And Esau says, oh, so Esau doesn't kill him, right? What does Esau do when Esau first sees him? Esau ran to meet him 
embraced him, fell on his neck and kissed him and they burst into tears. At that point, Esau says, Esau says, what is all this stuff? Is it yours? And Jacob says, yes, I want you to have it. And Esau says, I have plenty. You keep what's yours, that's fine. And then Jacob says, no, please, if I have truly found favor in your sight, take the offering from my hand, for seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. Oh, how does this get to 781? Okay, if you look at the Hebrew letters, would you, Ellen, if you're there, would you point with your cursor to Ra'iti Fanecha? Each letter has a numerical value. When you add up the value of all the letters in that phrase, it equals 781, which is the same total as this year that we're entering, which is how I come upon these phrases. Does that make sense? Excellent, good, good. So one of the things we know about Jacob and Esau is they've been wrestling since they're in the womb. And that they have always been tussling, fighting, trailing one another. It would appear that Jacob has never actually looked at Esau's face without thinking about who's better, who's winning, what's the score, and what do I need to do to get mine, right? All Esau is to him is an obstacle to be overcome. From, the moment, from inside the womb, if you recall, Esau comes out first and Jacob comes out holding Esau's heel, which is called an akev, which is how Jacob gets his name, Yaakov. He's holding Esau's heel. So Jacob's entire life has been defined by his intention and his, 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 his struggle to, to surpass his brother. And now they're crying and seeing each other after 20 years and they both have enough. They both realize that they each have enough. And Jacob looks at his brother Esau for the first time without condition. And he sees him. And he says, oh, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. For me, oh, let's see what Blaise said. Yes to tears about Joseph reuniting the brothers. Does this heal Cain and Abel at all? Maybe in the world to come, they are healed. Um, let me take a little aside from what I was saying to respond to Blaise's beautiful comment. In my reading of the book of Genesis, um, Cain and Abel are the first brothers and Cain kills Abel and thus generational sibling hatred and rivalry is born. However, at the end of Genesis, it is resolved when Joseph um, embraces his brothers and saves their lives instead of competing with them, even though they tried to kill him. So I see the question God asks to Cain, am I my brother's keeper, 
uh, are you, you know, where is your brother Abel? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? As a kind of a rhetorical question that hangs over the whole book that Joseph answers at the end. Um, that's my take on the novelistic kind of arc of Genesis. Um, it's probably why Steinbeck wrote East of Eden. It's just, anyway, um, a book I will reread re one day. Okay, so now back to this moment. In my opinion, anytime you see anybody's face and you're not expecting something from them or um, uh, wanting to give them something, when it's not transactional, but simply witnessing, then you see the divine image that inheres in that being. And it's wondrous, really seeing a face. So one of my intentions that I drew from this for this coming year was to, was to, to make a commitment, an ongoing commitment. It's not like I don't try this all the time, to peel away the layers of my wanting to manipulate uh, the situations I'm in, to wishing it was different, to being anxious, to being afraid, to being angry, to, and meet people. With, and see them. The people I'm close to, the people in the store, the people I disagree with. That'll keep us human, everybody. Uh, Paul says, in this time of COVID when we can't touch, a time to look into each other's face. And you know, that reminds me, we're all wearing masks too. So we'll have to like, just look at the top part of the face sometimes, but even that'll be good enough if we can bring this intention. Roni said, how does Joseph resolve sibling rivalry and even genocide? Well, Joseph resolves the sibling rivalry that's initiated by Cain and Abel in the book of Genesis. Neither Cain and Abel, nor Isaac and Ishmael, nor Jacob and Esau fully um, accept that they are their brother's keeper. But Joseph does. And so um, that's, that's, what, that's what I was referring to. Uh, the larger question about genocide, if you don't mind, Roni, I'll leave for now because we I don't want to I don't want to uh, divert ourselves over in that direction. Deborah says, and even if we cannot see God in everyone's face, we can try to see this divinity whenever possible. Thank you, Deborah. So you see how I'm setting up intentions for the new year using these felicitous phrases from the Torah that add up to this year. 
And so rather than, I, I'm going to continue this next week rather than try to squeeze another in because it's almost two o'clock. So I want to repeat, um, if you'd scroll back up, Ellen, I, I want to repeat uh, the three that uh, I've been um, riffing on here. This year adds up to the word teshua, help, deliverance, rescue, salvation, which derives from Psalm 146, where we are reminded that our true help, support, deliverance, and salvation comes from aligning ourselves with the source of justice and compassion in the universe, not with human political trends. That's an intention for this year. That doesn't mean we won't be acting in the world, but we won't be relying on it for our sense of um, salvation. We might get crushed again in that regard, but there is a deeper source. 781 adds up to between me and you and every living being. So an intention for this year is to remember our interconnectedness with all living life, all life, all living creatures, the whole web of life and commit our, to align our actions with that awareness and look for rainbows. And 781 adds up to ra'iti fanecha, seeing your faith. So an intention I wanna carry into this year of 781, 5,781, is to see people's faces not just as obstacles or as um, to my goals or as um, ancillary to my desires, but simply to meet honestly another face and then become aware of the divine imprint that resides there. These fundamental, it is ironic, I know, John, these fundamental intentions are what's gonna allow us to remain upright and grounded and move forward into the maelstrom. That's what it means to ground ourselves spiritually. Thank you.